Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, party people. Welcome back to uh, the podcast. Merry Christmas. Merry... Wait, wait a minute. That was yesterday. I could, is it no longer in effect? You're either late or really early. Let's do both. Both. Okay. Hey, it's uh, it's Monday, and you're starting a brand new... No, it's not. It's Tuesday, because uh, Monday was the 25th. Mm-hmm. It's Tuesday, and so you're not starting a brand new week. You're just... Uh, it's just Tuesday. I wonder if some people have today off. Maybe they're taking a lot of time off. They're going on you know vacation, travel, stuff traveling. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder where you're listening to us from. Yeah. If we start seeing st- stats that show that people are listening from the Bahamas and... Dude, we, do we still have that one listener that was listening to us in Africa somewhere? I can I can look. You I, should I, check I, that I out. Look. On the fly, right now. This is why Live. you can Because you're like, what's going to happen? We don't know. Maybe they're going to look stuff there? up like this. I'd like to know who this guy is. Yeah. I mean, if he's still listening to our episodes, I want to know who he is. Tune in. Let us know. We want to hear from you. Uh, it's going to take me a second. It's going to take you a second. I have to well, remember where this is. So, I'm actually not here live in... Texas right now. I'm in California Defected. celebrating Christmas with my in-laws and, and family. And so we're out there, but uh, that's why we're recording these early. So it's currently Wednesday, December 20th right now as we're recording. Where you this, live. Where, where you are. Yeah. So back to the future history. Back. Yeah. What? Yeah. So Kenya. Kenya. There's <laughs> Wilkinson. Not Wilkinson. No. Okay. Uh, we have someone in Kenya who, who downloaded seven episodes, but that's it. So, I don't know that he's actually a, a faithful listener. It's probably a, a scammer. Could he's be. Probably trying could to be. collect information. Someone in Australia has has downloaded a few. Or okay. I mean, it could be more than one person, hey, I mate. suppose. But it's yeah, I, I might. That was worse. Have you heard the the new slang for kids? Like "nar." You say "nar" if As someone's in, asking you a question instead of saying "no." Nar. No, you don't. Well, you you don't, but Australians do. Nar. You know how they say no, but right. it doesn't sound like nar. Right. So that's like we're just deciding to do that here. Yeah, it doesn't mean no, like no, no. It's a, it's a certain kind of no, and I forget the the nuance, but it's that's a thing. <sighs> what? Jesus needs to come back. What? <laughs> Is that any? Di- okay, think about the slang that you used to use in high school. Okay, uh, that's the bomb. What okay. does that even mean? Well, it means it's, it's explosive. Bomb. It means it's it's, it's legit. <laughs> what what other okay? What, sweet, sweet, yeah, sweet. We still use that, which is funny because the slang that you learn in high school, I don't know if it ever goes away. Like there's some of it that becomes. Hold, like, oh, hold on, that. hold on a second. We weren't inventing new words. Um. Okay. Yeah, but we were misusing words. And "nar" is not a new word. Yes, it's, it is. It's no, it's not because it's a, it's it's no. It's just no with an accent. But. Uh, I'm so annoyed. That's the bomb. <laughs> That's so, dope. I'm so perturbed. <laughs> perturbed? It bothers me. Is that me what you so said much. in high school? Perturbed. Gentlemen, we are perturbed. This is this always bothers me. Like when bestie was a thing, I was like, stop that. That is <laughs> do not say that. That is not a word. Put that away. And never epic was the other word that I just heard way too many times. It's epic. Like, not everything is epic. That's true. That's like saying everything's awesome. Right. And then everything suddenly became not awesome. <sighs> yeah. Chillax? Remember chillax? I didn't say chillax. You didn't say that? No. Maybe you need to chillax about it then. <laughs> dog? D-A-W-G dog? What I up, dog? I did not say what dog. Up, dog. Dog? Dog. Dog. What about home dog. skillet? 
What a home skillet? Nope, didn't say that either. Okay, I don't know. Peeps? Nope. Okay, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if I don't, Dude, I don't know if I, I can believe. A, you. I was a gringo from North Dallas. Like, come on, we like. Nope, we didn't. We didn't. All right. Well, I I I think slang is kind of an interesting cultural phenomenon because every every generation has it it is representative of the breakdown of culture and society in humanity do you think so absolutely that's what it primarily represents it is it is because most of it is derived from a laziness in communication not laziness yes okay maybe some it but i don't know if it's laziness as it i mean it's 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 a cultural thing it's, it's but so much of it as of the advent of text messaging is based on laziness like Okay, well, text messaging is different. That that's added a whole different element. But I'd, I'd say the two are related. Related, it's yeah. It's been brought over into our terminology. They're not one and the same, though. I, mean, I don't know. I, I think it, it 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 exemplifies youth culture. They desire to have their own thing, and marketers reinforce that because they see them as a demographic f- for whom they can sell to, and therefore that makes sense for them. So yeah. youth culture is reinforced. So I don't think prior to the invention of adolescence, that, that age and stage of life where you're not quite a kid and not quite an adult anymore. I don't know. Prior to that, there was such a thing as slang that was so different from adults that you couldn't understand what they're saying. Like right now, if I were to look at, you know, the text messages of a bunch of kids, I'd be like, what are they saying? Right. Like I'm dead. That means that they're actually quite alive and they're laughing loudly at something. Right. I'm dead. Right. Yeah, that that's different. You'd have to know in order, like you'd have to research it to know what they're talking about. Whereas in earlier days, when kids were with their parents, I think the slang was more universal. Yeah, well, there will never be another great American novel because of all of this. <laughs> okay. Yeah, maybe future, not. Future generations, if they recover a modicum of like right speech, they will look back at this time frame and be like, "This is a low point in history." I was watching the HBO no special for <laughs> John Adams. Yeah. You know, it's 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 historical. It talks about the the age and stage of that time frame. Like, man, we are such a different culture. We are different people. They would not have appreciated the cultural nuance that we bring to the table. No, and I I don't either. <laughs> so I'm with them. I guess that makes me an old fuddy duddy. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, hey, let's talk about Zechariah. Dope. Zechariah was uh, unique in both being a priest and a prophet. We've seen that before. He's not the only one that is that, but he uh, did fulfill both those roles. He was a contemporary of the book that we just looked at yesterday, Haggai. Facts. And uh, began his prophecy about a couple months, two months later than Haggai did in 520. Um, But it's possible that the book itself was not completed until a much latter date. He's called a young man. It's interesting. In 2.4, he's referred to as a young man there. And so he could have lived for quite a long time and finished. And the the reason why that's suggested is the content of chapters 9 through 14 uh, takes on a a different style and uh, a different focus than the the rest of the book. So it's possible that Haggai finished out the the book and the prophecy at a latter date than this 520 date that Mm. uh, is, is when he began. But we do know that he began in 520. Right. Again, contemporary with Haggai, important to know here. And some of the some of his approach to what he says is apocalyptic in nature. It's 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 very much in flavor uh, closer to revelation. In fact, I think Zechariah has been called a, a mini revelation because of its apocalyptic imagery. You see that a lot. And there's even uh, pictures and symbols that you see carried over into the book of Revelation, which makes this a really challenging book in some ways. I'm not a big fan of apocalyptic literature because it's just so hard for me to nail down and say with concreteness, this means that. It's not always so clear and easy, but I think with a lot of what Zechariah says, there's some pretty evident 
uh, evident points to what he's trying to do here. So that said, this is an exciting book. I'm glad for you to get in it, but don't be discouraged if there's things that go over your head. Listen to the podcast every day because you're reading every day and hopefully you'll d- derive a few insights as you make your way through it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it is it is a, a thick book, but it, uh, yeah, which yeah. is interesting because he's a minor prophet, right? He's minor and yet he's got what? 12, he's 14 like chapters, 14 chapters, minor pushing minor. He's like just borderline like um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't. It's pretty, pretty long book. He's a major. Isn't Dan- Daniel shorter than Zechariah? Yeah. yeah, and Daniel's a major prophet. What's up with that? He's a major. Major. He's Mainer. Feels like it. Yeah. Hey, it opens with a, a vision, and there's it, it opens with quite a few visions. Actually, there's there's eight of them um, that take place in chapters one through six. And the first one has uh, this red horse rider amongst the myrtles. Um, what do we do with this red horse rider? Uh, the angel of the Lord shows up here as well. Uh, the prophet says in verse nine, what are these, my Lord? The angel who talked to me said, I will show you what they are. So the man who was standing among the myrtle trees answered, these are they whom the Lord has sent to patrol the earth. And they answered the angel of the Lord who was standing among the myrtle trees said. So um, this is uh, the, possibly the, the pre-incarnate Christ. He is the Lord of hosts. He's interceding here. On behalf of Israel, there's a focus on the millennial kingdom. Uh, there's judgment on the four horns in chapter one, which are the nations that scattered Judah and Jerusalem. So, um, yeah, this this is. I I don't know a whole lot of, of direction on Zechariah. Zechariah is, I think, in some ways harder than some of what we read in Ezekiel. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And again, some of the symbols and imagery is is up is open to some speculation in terms of who identities are. But uh, this particular image, the vision of the horsemen, um, the, the, those patrolling the earth, that's going to come back in a couple chapters here. I think the last the last image or symbol that he records has a very similar concept of angels patrolling the earth, the four winds and the four four directions and what have you. So hard hard to know for sure who that who that figure is. But remember when Zechariah is written, I think it's it's written in anticipation of the temple being being completed and fixed, uh, being brought back to life and telling the people of Israel, look, there's, there's more to come after this. This is not the end of it for you. And you should be a holy people unto the Lord. I mean, he starts his book with saying, don't be like your fathers. Don't be like the prior generations. He's trying to utilize these symbols, these images, these stories, um, in order to provoke repentance and provoke them to be, uh, to be holy, to be pure, to be, to be ready for the next the next dispensation, we might say. Yeah. There's a focus that is pretty cool in on what the millennial kingdom reality is going to be. Verse five of chapter two, he says, I will be to her a wall of fire all around declares the Lord, and I will be the glory in her midst. What a cool idea that is. And and there's a, it's, it's kind of like, to put it a, a different way, maybe the, the the elder brother coming to the defense of the younger sibling, like, hey, I've, I've got you. Like, you're going to be good. Like, my, my big brother's here. I'm good to go. The, the enemies, he says, are going to be judged because in verse 8, they touch the apple of his eye, meaning Jerusalem, the one that he desires, the the one that he is uh, is affectionate towards. Uh, and they have, a, they have besieged, they have attacked, they have, they have come against them. And God is going to respond. And that's going to produce, notice verse 10 of chapter two, joy, sing and rejoice. So daughter of Zion, for behold, I come and I will dwell in your midst, declares the Lord. There's going to be joy when the Lord is finally with his people. We've talked about this concept before that that will be the millennial kingdom when he is with them there. Uh, And that's what we see here in chapter two. Now then we get into chapter three and the vision of 
Joshua, the high priest, uh, verse four, there's an angel standing before him and he says, remove the filthy garments from Joshua there and, uh, and take the iniquity away from him and I will clothe you with pure vestments. Uh, and so there's a, a, an idea here, even that idea of cleansing, the, which is a common theme in scripture, removing the iniquity and putting on the clean, cleanliness. Think of Isaiah standing before the Lord in, in chapter six of Isaiah when he says, woe is me, I'm a, I'm a people of unclean lips and his lips are atoned for. So another example of that here. But then uh, Joshua is the high priest and yet he's given a crown. Pastor Rod, what do we do with that? Because the priest and king role was meant to be separate. And yet Joshua, the high priest, is given a crown here in Zechariah chapter 3. Well, it's also going to be, uh, that image is going to be repeated in chapter 6. So this is the first time we're seeing it, but not the last time. And I think of the for us as Christians, the, the foreshadowing is evident. There's going to be a union of the priestly and the kingly roles. I mean, at, at minimum, we can say that there's a unity there. And whether it means one person at this point in Israel's history or whether it means two persons who are in tight unity, I think, and I choose to see it as such, where it points to Christ, king and priest, prophet, priest and king eventually. So I'm going to see this and say, this is about Jesus. Yeah, and I think we see that in verse 8 too when he says, I will bring my servant the branch, uh, the, the branch man from Branchtown, Jesus, the branch from Nazareth, not there meaning branch. So the, the connection perhaps there, but the branch is a, is a messianic title for Jesus. So I think you're right. I think this is an example of uh, the, the forward looking to see that the unity of those two offices that will be finally realized in the person of Jesus. So what do you do with Zechariah 1 through 3? Um, again, like Pastor Rod said, it Pray. is a pocket. Yeah. You pray. And and it's a, a reminder to us of God's stability in an unstable, in an unstable world. God knows where this world is headed. He knows what's happening. He knows what's going to happen, what's going to take place, what's going to unfold. So even as there are things that are difficult and and there are things that are difficult. There are things that are difficult for Pastor Rod and, and I to understand as well as we're studying these these pages and these these concepts. But it's a reminder that, that this is the wisdom of God, and even as we bump up against our own ability to understand it all, it's it's encouraging to us to know that God is working all of these things out, and it will happen according to his plan. And that future millennial kingdom, the things that we can grab hold of and say, yeah, this is going to be great, those are the things for us to really hope in and look forward to. And, uh, and, and to your point originally there, pray that God will bring that about. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly, that prayer as well. Indeed. All right, Revelation 17 out of the fire and into the frying pan. Well, we're already in the apocalyptic literature, so we might as well just go for it. Right. All right, Revelation 17, we're talking about this prostitute who is on or riding upon this great beast. What do we do with this? Who's the prostitute? Well, the prostitute is Babylon. Babylon from the Old Testament. Babylon. Not David Gray's Babylon either. Babylon. Yeah. Uh, no, this is a, a different uh, Babylon. This is the Neo-Babylon, New Babylon. This is the world's system. And specifically, this is the kingdom of the Antichrist as we think about Babylon. And, and this is everything the Antichrist has brought about, which for a season was marked by prosperity and wealth and uh, also sexual immorality and all kinds of iniquity and sin. And this is the downfall. This is God's final judgment against uh, Babylon. And it is going to be her excess and her pride and her immorality. Verse 4 describes all of this, right? She's a Arrayed in purple and scarlet, uh, these are our our regal colors. These are colors of opulence and wealth. She's adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a cup full of abominations. Uh, we should see a, a connection between her cup full of abominations and the bowls of God's wrath that are being poured out there, and the impurities of her sexual immorality. So she is 
Um, she's the representation of all that is bad about the, the Antichrist kingdom. Beyond this, she had done much violence to the, the, the people of God. She's drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And John Caesar, it says in, in 17.6, in marvels. But the angel says, don't marvel at her. There, there's something else that's coming. And, and he points out the beast here and says, the beast you saw who was and is not and is about to rise. So now the, the focus, she's riding on this beast. The beast is the Antichrist. And so the woman is the kingdom of the Antichrist, who is supported by and undergirded by the identity of this great enemy here, the Antichrist. We talked about the Antichrist not long ago that that was compared to a beast here. So here's the Antichrist, his kingdom, and this idea of who was and who is and who is to come. There's a lot of reference here from John, a lot of language like that, that he's talking about the the apparent mortal wound that we talked about. He's going to have this false resurrection. And so John's uh, recording these things from the angel. But there's these uh, seven mountains, which represent these seven kingdoms that have ruled the earth. And so if you go back over history, just to try to bring some clarification to that, who are the seven kingdoms? Well, we can think about some of them. And I think it's it's helpful to think about them this way. You've got Egypt. That was a world power. You've got Assyria. That's number two. You've got Babylon. You've got Medo-Persia. So there's three and four. Then you've got Greece, five, Rome, six. So when John says in verse uh, 10, they are also seven kings, five of whom have fallen, one is. Okay, That's Rome because as John is writing, Rome is still on the scene. So the fifth kingdom is still on the scene there as John is writing this. Then you've got the Antichrist or the sixth kingdom rather. Then the Antichrist uh, one and then there's an eighth kingdom which is the They're resurrected the Antichrist. Antichrist. Yeah. 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 So confusing stuff but but both chapters 17 and 18 go together. So they think do. peanut butter and jelly. Uh, the the first chapter, chapter 17, is really going to detail the fall of Babylon in terms of her religious affiliation, her her relig- her worship. Uh, so verse chapter 17, all about that aspect. And, and you see the terms of uh, idolatry and um, adultery, rather, which is a reference to idolatry. You've seen that language before. It shouldn't be surprising to you because you've seen it in the Old Testament where Ezekiel uses some of the same kind of um, the same kind of word pictures to talk about Israel's idolatry. I mean, just think about Ezekiel with uh, the, the two sisters. Uh, pretty easy to understand where he's coming from there. Yeah. So chapter 17, about their religious affiliation. They're committing idolatry. God sees that as a form of adultery that he finds disgusting. And so he's going to deal with that. And he's going to deal with that definitively. And then that'll lead us into chapter 18 tomorrow, where he deals not only with their religious association, but with their political structure. Yeah. One more thing is you're trying to make sense of all this. One thing that's... that's uh, pretty interesting to note here is in verse 17. Look at verse 17, talking about the Antichrist, talking about his administration, these sub-rulers that he has. Look what God says. God has put it into their hearts. God has. God has put it into their hearts to carry out his purpose, not theirs, not Satan's purpose, but his purpose by being of one mind and handing over the royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. Part of what happens here in God's great outworking of all this we talked about is scripture entertaining and, and i think sometimes it is the, the antichrist turns against babylon the antichrist turns against his own system and the antichrist actually becomes a, a an instrument of judgment against his own people there mm-hmm. um by god's sovereign plan there and uh, and so again like we talked about in zechariah we're talking about it here as well god's in control of all of these things and so we can trust that and we can have confidence in that as we read through these things and, and find ourselves going okay this seems like a lot and again John's trying to do the best that he can to describe what he's seeing in ways that we can understand. Is it going to be perfect from our perspective to be able to understand it? No. And one day will we understand more? Yes. But for now, we can try to read through these things and and just try to say, okay, what's one thing that maybe I can take away from this? Sometimes that's going to be, man, I'm small, God is big, and I need to trust him. 
And that's great. If that's the nugget that we take away, that's good. But maybe there's times for us to stretch a little bit, to pick up a book, to pick up a resource, a commentary, a study Bible, dive in a little bit deeper, say maybe there's something else that I can pull away from what I'm studying in God's word here. That's right. This is These are cool verses and cool chapters. Even though it's apocalyptic and hard to track with sometimes, if you're willing to slow down, um, and, and again, there's a difference between Bible reading and Bible study. It's going to take some study to really wrap your mind around all that's happening, but well worth the time, even if you're just reading it and you're, you're okay with saying, look, I, there's things I don't know yet that you don't have to study every chapter, but I do hope you're encouraged. This yeah. is cool. God's going to wrap up all of human history. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. Be encouraged. Yeah. Well, hey, we'll catch you guys again tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. See you then. Peace. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.